Now, the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Monday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is March 23rd. Andy, how we doing? Brendan! I'm doing all right. I think I'm at like 10 days of isolation at this point. 10 days? Yeah. Hmm. Might be the first 10 of many. Handful. What, what does isolation mean? Like in your basement? Just, Just in our house. I'm kidding. Just grinding down in the dungeon, I, looking, I, at, I, looking at Google Im- Earth images of golf courses and things today like Today I went upstairs. Today I worked <laughs> upstairs. I'm back down in the basement to record, but I had gotcha. to go upstairs. I needed a light. Good. Good. All right. How are well, you doing? How's, how's... I just can't stand that every day is the same. Yeah. Like there's yeah. no difference in Monday, Tuesday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's all the I, same. I yearn for a, a fan vote Friday or a you know event of the week thing. I mean, I think that's where clearly obviously going out of the house and going places and and seeing people and doing things in some sort of routine uh differentiates days. But you know, this is kind of an ad hoc take right now. But like sports certainly helps us distinguish days from each other, right? Like yes. whether it's it doesn't have to be a specific like a Monday night football or the first round of the uh, first round of a tournament starts Thursday. It's just more like you know the whatever Bulls Nets game is Tuesday. Like that distinguishes. You, and you know these that games. Saturday there's going to be a lot of stuff on to watch, regardless yeah. of whether one of your teams playing. So sports in that way has yeah kind of the the lack of sports adds to the uh, you know I don't know homogeny of every day so. I, I don't know monotony of it. What have you been day. doing? What have you been keeping yourself busy with? Uh, I mean, there's plenty to busy with. I have a house to maintain, children to keep alive, trying to come up with you know work ideas, articles, you know things like that. So we we've been hitting balls in the backyard. It was a nice weekend, so that was fun. Maybe you could write about Florida just refusing to pay attention to anything going on in the world. What does that mean? Florida's just, getting ravaged. Just ridiculous. I'm hearing reports of like golf courses being open, walking not allowed, and maximum of two carts in a group. So pe- they're putting people in carts next to each other. You know, they're just ignoring that anything's going on in the world. I thought I heard Miami courses were shut down, but maybe it's just really localized to Miami. Maybe a public muni, something like that. But I mean, that's that's the thing we heard last week at the players, which I guess it's like a little more than a week now. You know, they were like, it's an outdoor sport. We don't have any confirmed cases. You know, we, Monahan was talking, no confirmed case. Well, you know, here, here we are. 
you didn't need the confirmed case to understand the, 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 I don't know if reckless is too strong a word, but that putting fans and putting that event on was uh, against the better, their better judgment. Cause here we are just over a week later or exactly a week of when they would be handing out the trophy. There's over a thousand cases in Florida. You know, there's 40 or so in Jacksonville. I think there's like 15 to 20 in the whatever Palm coast region. So like, yeah, that's just people that have the argument that there was no confirmed case in nearby was never a sound one and seemed like sort of window dressing well, to try and crowbar he's waving, a, he's waving a salary right now i wasn't even speaking about monahan specifically but yes we we heard that messaging had, several times yeah there's Go golf ahead. events going on in florida right now there's mini tour events being played there's Finally. amateur events being played it's just insane it's wow as as augusta national closes Closes its doors, and they're uh, obviously a club that can afford to do that. But many, uh, many, many, many clubs are just closing. Like, hey, I don't care if you want to come and walk by yourself; it's just not not an option right now. And most of that is done with staff and operations in mind. I, I think, I hope so. Um, quick news: Let's hit on it. Monahan is foregoing a salary at the. For an indeterminate amount of time, I guess maybe until they start playing golf. Uh, senior management team, those in the C-suite, this is an Eamon Lynch article from the end of last week. C-suite and the executive vice president level agreed to a 25% salary cut, also yeah. to last indefinitely. And salaries for all of their tour employees will be frozen at 2019 levels. So, any reaction? None. Honestly, my biggest takeaway was that I think it's the article said Monahan made three point nine million in twenty seventeen. I guess that was his last PGA Tours tax filing, twenty seventeen. Less publicly available tax filing. Three point nine million. It's that gotta, feels like gotta be significantly, a lot more. Yeah. You yeah. think that's jumped? Oh, I bet he's in the seven, eight, nine million range now. Is that his rookie year? Probably twenty seventeen. Yeah. I mean, wasn't Fincham collecting like Eight and nine million after he retired, even. Oh, I think there's a lot of bonuses. I think sure. there's there's difference, you know, between salary and bonuses. Well, of course, of course. I'm just I I'm was sure, shocked. I'm at, sure at that 3. the 9. I'm sure Relative the commissioner the, gets an ultimate prize at the end of the season as well as the, oh, as the players. I just thought that was low relative to some other commissioners and relative to some of the Fincham numbers, but I guess it was his first first year out there. Uh, but you know. It's better than not giving it up. Can we compare the NBA's commissioner Adam Silver and, and what he's done to Monahan in, ter- in terms of like preparedness for this, you know, coronavirus? Sure, if that's what you want to do. Like, I mean, Adam Silver looks like you know this the smartest men in 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 the United States because he had already pre-ordered testing and everything before. It got here, really. Yeah. You know, he yeah. was like ready I, to go. And then, you know, we're the PGA Tour is playing Thursday at Players, and Rory's like, maybe all of us should get tested. <laughs> I did have someone send me an ESPN article. Someone I know and respect in the business send me an ESPN article on Silver's kind of approach and the NBA's response saying, like, it's night and day. I'd never read the article. I still, it's on my to do list, but 
said Silver's kind of approach, the NBA's approach was like night and day compared to just sort of the, you know, shotgun approach, no pun intended, at the players. Like, yes. Well, Stark. Constant pivoting. You know, just, just a comparison. This is, I think, when you become the head of an organization, a large organization, your your decisions and 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 the way you handle things can only be compared to like other people in similar situations and and the NBA would be one that was in a very very similar situation to Monahan. I mean they basically called games at halves. Just right. said get off the floor. Right. The day before the players. I, I we everybody knows about this. We don't need to it's, talk about it. Is Adam Silver foregoing a salary though? We don't know about that. I did see that they, they may go with the force majeure clause and not stop paying players at some point pretty soon or, or stop giving salaries out. So uh, not not happy discussions. No, not good times in general. Monaghan giving up his salary. All right, other he news. He also related. distributed food that was going to go to rot either, either way. Yeah, we had some PR experts sending us messages about that, saying that was also bungled the way they did that. But I don't want to get into specifics. That the food, the food handing out and the messaging was not, in some PR experts' estimation, not well done. Um, all right, other news as it relates to sort of this world we're living in. The Olympics has set a deadline sometime in the next four weeks as they decide whether to postpone. Also, breaking a night sounds like Canada says it won't send its, won't even send it. The Canadian Dela, uh, whatever uh, athletic committee won't even send their athletes. Says they're not going to do it no matter what. So I mean, you're not getting Nick Taylor, maybe the Hitman Hearn. You know, he's not going to Tokyo. Whatever. Whoever I feel would be. so bad for Rory Sabatini. Well, they push it back one year. He's got the form, right? Can he yeah. hit not? I think I he mean, can. He's playing like great golf. Clearly the motivation, is it not? I think he's just happy. He's got a good back. He's got a new back from Sentinel Spine. And uh, he's got a new lady. And he's just think playing of, good golf. Think about this. Like, Here's the real story, though. Think about this in relation to someone who's like, actual entire livelihood and sport is the four-year you know every chance every four years because rory this seems like kind of a lark kind of a fun thing to do he he makes a ton of money playing professional golf you know 40 weeks a year whereas like someone i don't know a skier or a swimmer or whatever blows out their knee or gets injured and like that is it i mean of course there are world championships and other things but like let's not you know cry in our beer for rory here's a question it, say this thing gets pu- pushed back a year. Does the yeah. Olympics stick to the four years after that? Does it all of a sudden become an odd year thing? And then, if so, does the Ryder Cup want to get get off that? <laughs> I would say I highly doubt that. If, I think you these cities are planned, are locked in, whatever it is, Paris, twenty L.A., like they're on those even years. There's just going to be a shorter time interval. Quite honestly, I highly doubt they all push it back a year. Be my guess, but I have no expertise on this. Um, new USGA rules. Basically, I mean, people aren't putting into cups. Like, this is not the priority in this pandemic, but USGA has to update their website. They on have pool. to do it for the handicap. Guys. Yeah. You know, the, the guys that are the system. super into the handicap, you know? 
Apparently, they're taking scores of people that are banning the ball off raised cups and things like that. You, you can submit that score. So that's good. Um, other things related to this new world we're living in. Pete Cowan. Test, or, I don't know if he tested positive. It doesn't sound like he tested. James Corrigan was saying, uh, tweeting that he definitely has it. The medics all but confirmed it, which I don't think means definitely, but it sounds which like he's about seven days since he was in Panavidra. Yeah, works, puts his hands on the clubs, works with many pros. I mean, what is he, Brooksy's short game guy, the name one, Hovland's short game guy, Henrik Stenson's coach for a long time, maybe the best coach in the game. Uh, this is a very subjective thing, but really highly. Wesley's ast- former coach works with a ton of. Super he got Westy to number player. one. Yeah, a stud of a coach. Uh, sounds like he most likely has it. Interesting. I Isn't mean, Alan Ship six to eight day incubation is what they say. I thought it could be as much as fourteen, but again, we're not. Doctors. I think it's it's. I think what incubation. I've read is is like okay. is you start to show symptoms usually six to eight days after you've been in contact, which okay. You know, if we're uh, doing math here. So he was on the range at the players. Yeah. Uh, Alex Shipnick was tweeting about how he was, you know, hanging out with them and doing things. You know, I don't know if he shook his hand or whatever. Probably writing on him or researching a story with him. But, uh, yeah, he was out there. Um, just sort of another indication of maybe the lax approach to trying to proceed as planned. Whether it's a chain smokers concert on a Tuesday, practice rounds on Wednesday, first round on Thursday, like this was out there and it was, you know, a fluid situation as we heard, but certainly a possibility. Uh, is that it? You have any reaction to that? You good? That's that's all I got. I don't have anything much on that. One last thing. What do you think should be on TV right now? I'm seeing a lot of anger about Valspar Championship 2018. <laughs> I saw Tron Carter was tweeting like the tour is leaning on or no, I'm sorry. Valspar is leaning on the tour to like we need to be out there in some capacity, which I assume then leans on Golf Channel. I have no information on this myself, uh, but I did see Tron seem to think that that Valspar was pushing the tour pretty hard. So and people seem pissed about it. So in 1996, I, uh, I, one of my, I was 10 years old and my dad took me up to Milwaukee to watch the, the Yankees came to town and it was the great Yankees team. And I, I'll never forget it because I was, I was old enough to remember. And, you know, it was like Derek Jeter, young Derek Jeter, young Mariano Rivera, young Bernie, uh, Williams, young Paul, uh, Paul O'Neill was playing then Por- Jorge Posada. You know, just great team. I think uh, Brewers are in the AL Central. At the yeah, time. Andy Pettit pitched that night. Like awesome, just an unbelievable like game. When you think about it, fifteen years later, you're still watching all these guys, and they were the superstars of the league. Um, sure. So my dad called me. Uh, I can't remember what night he called me. He goes, "Hey, I just I just was watching the '95 uh, Mariners." Yankees series on MLB TV. I can't, I can't believe how good Randy Johnson was. You know, he starts just going into baseball. He starts, we start talking about the Yankees, all these memories. And it's just like, that's, 
MLB Network's doing what a network's supposed to do. Yeah. You know, like, that's a great series. Mariners-Yankees, 95, or maybe 90. I can't remember exactly what year he's at. But, you know, a great series with great players all over the place. Like, why why aren't we seeing the same from golf? We're seeing Paul Casey win his second, you know, Valspar. Like, I don't care about that. They did show the one with Tiger, at least. I mean, in the relative world of Valspars, that's about when, it. When Corey know? Connors was getting food. <laughs> by, by the angry you know, West Coast Floridians. They didn't want to see a Canadian get, you know, break up Tiger's big chance. Um, yeah, it sounds... I mean, I'm going purely and only off Tron's tweet. It sounds like the sponsors are probably leaning on the tour. The tour is leaning on Golf Channel. I don't know, but there's there's only so many rights out there, which is it gets tricky. I don't know. I don't um, understand why the tour wouldn't waive the rights in this situation. The thing that that I don't get is it's good for your brand to have totally. good stuff out there right now. I like, mean, the USGA should do the same with FS1 yes. or whatever they want to do, and PGA, Masters. You know, they've already kind of preempted everybody by putting everything online. But like, yeah, the, it, it makes the, sense. The tour should be just like they should be saying, "Hey, these are the greatest tournaments." They should be talking to they should be talking to Sean Martin, saying, "Sean Martin, what are the best tournaments of the last twenty years?" And I'm sure yeah. Sean would have like a list of thirty tournaments and just air <laughs> all those. Yeah, I can't tell you how how fun it's been going into these deep reading these like article. I read an article from the nineteen eighty five Bing Crosby for, today yeah. for our upcoming spotlight. And I was had so much fun just oh, reading. So about, fun. Think about watching it or a clip or even just highlight one hour condensed highlight. You know, clip show type thing. It's just it's really this is an opportunity. To really kind of re—it's like you can re-educate people on some of you, on some of the great moments in golf because yeah. they're—that's the thing that they're just missing the boat on here. Is that this is an opportunity to remind people why they love your sport. What? what I, I don't know that we would do a big segment on Hal Sutton in the middle of the season, but I'm glad we did. I, it seems like people like it, and I just like. Yeah, this is a shit situation. It sucks, but like, I'm not trying to make this a like an inspirational poster, but find the opportunity out of that. What? And there really is one here in terms of when you absolutely wouldn't have the time, inclination, or interest um, to do otherwise. And it's I, a great opportunity. What Shane and Max are doing is like this yeah. lo-fi, low-budget version. Shane, Shane Bacon and Max Homa, for I, I'm sure everybody knows, but they they've been doing these periscopes. And it's like, it would be cool if you did like a real studio show where it's like, okay, we're going to watch this. We're going to put this on. But beforehand, we're going to have, you know, we're going to have Brandle and whoever in the studio. And we're going to talk about what we remember beforehand. Then we're going to watch it. And we're going to, you know, midway, we're going to have thoughts and observations after. And make it just like we're, we're watching a major. Like, And the bar is low right now. Like, I mean, it can be lo-fi, right? Yes, I mean, it it can, like no one's anticipating this to have the highest, you know, sort of uh, pre-planned productions of any anything like that. So I don't know. This is a sidetrack, but I just feel like there's opportunity here that 
I know in my own personal or in my own life with the, certainly these spotlights, it's, it's been enriching in a way that I probably wouldn't have the chance to do. And yeah, do I wish like we had golf instead? Sure. Of course, but take the opportunity and kind of seize it. And it, it's a way to even like, like you said, make it for the brand. And that's all we hear about is brand, brand, brand. It's not live under par. It's not, you know, social impressions, but it is like brand building in a way. So, all right. Should we move on? Yeah. Do we need to refresh people on Bixby coffee? Shotgun I, start blend. I got a lot of reports over the weekend. Seemed like another shipment came in. We heard from the Bixby boys, the actual Bixby boys. They've kind of, They've closed the warehouse off only to essential employees who understand the process. The employees are obviously all up to speed. We don't need to read you all that stuff. You know, like businesses are taking all necessary precautions. As long as the postal service is up and running, they for now plan to be up and running and are shipping, you know, fresh roasted coffee out. It's more time than ever to do it because you just, you get it shipped to you. You don't have to go take any risks going to a store to get your coffee, you know. And do your little pour over thing, 25 minutes to make a coffee. Everybody's got time now, huh? I got nothing but time. I had I took great pleasure in cooking a meal last night. Oh, I, good. Like, I like actually really enjoyed cooking. Good. I do some more of that. Good. Fantastic. Hiatus. Again, seizing the opportunity, right? Yeah. If it's, Sharpening your skills in a way that you otherwise Hal, might Hal not. Hal Sutton's uh, final round at the Players was on Golf Channel. Mrs. Egg wouldn't <laughs> have gotten that freshly cooked meal. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Our shock, uh, So BixbyCoffee.com, find the Shotgun Start Blend. If you so choose, uh, subscribe. What is it, 15% off? A portion of the proceeds come to us. It's a way to support the pod. You certainly are not compelled to do so, but it is a way to do that. All right, Shotgun Start. Our shock, our, our, I'm sorry, our SGS Spotlight. Who is our subject tonight? It is Mark O'Meara. Mark it near. Marky no. Mark. I got I got something to kick us off. Uh, Market near. All this right. This is from a Jaime Diaz article. The great Jaime Diaz. Ooh, okay. I didn't I didn't I didn't find that one. All right. Um Omir is a special player who shouldn't be sold short. While he'll never get more than B's for his physical skills, an assessment he acknowledges when he calls himself a nice player, not a great one. The internal yeah. Omira gets straight A's. His round edges might suggest a role of Charmin, but inside he's steel. Until further notice, Marco Mira is golf's best finisher. What year was that? 98. Okay. Sure. I mean, that was the year you would write that. Mm-hmm. Ro- roll, rounded edges? A role of Charmin? His round, his round edges might suggest a role of Charmin, but inside he's steel. Pretty good, pretty good. The old old sports writing was just I, I've been I like now will like when I when I'm going back and I'm looking up big events like I now like Google the winner of the event SI Vault, and sure. just because I know I'm gonna get something really good because Sports sure. Illustrated used to just God their features were good. Here's the lead from uh, Steve Russians Masters Gamer. Just while we're on this subject. Your new Masters champion is a multimillionaire who loves cheap motels, endorses Rogaine, oh, like I got this and too. suffers so badly from male, patter- male pattern blandness that one man approached him at dinner in Augusta last week shouting, Mark McCumber, Mark McCumber, you're Mark McCumber. 
He's like, um, uh, <laughs> male pattern blandness. Somebody mistook him for Mark McCumber, who I think had like $4,000 in like money earnings the, the season prior. Like a good pro, but not necessarily still really on tour at the time. All so, right. You want to you run let's down? Go. Yeah. All right. Grew up in Southern California. Yeah. Uh, started playing golf by hopping a fence. Yep. And, uh, Sneaking onto the course at, uh, I think it was Mission Viejo. Yeah. He's grew up in Mission Viejo. Mission Viejo Country Club or Golf Club. Jumped the fence. He was a All-American at Long Beach State. Okay. You know who also played at Long Beach State? Golf? Yeah. No. Paul Goidos. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> didn't, know that. didn't know that. So he... Uh, Big achievements. Won the uh, 1979 USAM over John Cook, who... I've got a lot on this. ...was widely regarded as the... It was in your backyard, Canterbury. Like, in my yard, yeah. Uh-huh. Where I grew up caddying, site of the famous Overclub Challenge. This was maybe... <laughs> you know, Cookie got boat raced by Marco Mira. Maybe his looper was overclubbing him. You never know. Cook was the defending champ, like... Oh, yeah. Defending champ. Uh, considered yeah. far and away the best player in the country. Yes. Very good. Uh, a good, I mean, every amateur has a lot of, you know. You know that O'Meara won the Mexican Am this year, too? No. Yeah. I didn't even know that was like a thing. I didn't either. <laughs> Can we talk about his younger days real quick? Yeah. Mission Viejo for just a second. Of course. So he'd sneak out of the course, to to jumped over the fence. And then they finally just gave him a job. He says, I, I, I grew up washing clubs. He's like, not because I was poor, but just because I wanted to be on the golf course. And uh, so then he started playing. Because I was poor. He goes, I, I wasn't poor. It wasn't like I was dead poor. It was I just wanted to be on the golf course. I grew up washing clubs. Uh, I just I just want to talk about this course in Southern California. I'm so confused by that. Well, intrigued, I guess. Um, Newport Country Club, right where they play the, yeah. uh, I guess it's the Hogue Classic now. I think it was called Irvine Coast. The t- Tommy Tables Classic. <laughs> it was uh, Irvine Coast Country Club. So he played there like as a youngster growing up. Because they used, this is crazy. He talked about playing there as a kid. They used to have these things that would pop your ball out of the hole. So I think you played there in college a little bit. So they didn't want you to walk around the cup. So if you missed a short putt and you had to tap it in, you'd look to see if the coach was watching. And then you'd just whack it and the ball when it came out. So this they wouldn't want you walking around the cup. Seems like they need this thing now. They need these. That's what I was thinking. This is like back in the 70s. Have you ever heard of that? I have not. Uh, some contraption in the cup that shoots your ball back out? I have not. I, outside of like the the thing that you have with the you know the the ball returner on some putting mats. Yeah, but that, I mean that's been around forever. But that's for putting in your office. Anyways, all right. I had to interrupt you there with that. That's fine. So, all right, USAM. What do you got on the USAM? I mean, well, Bobby Bobby Clampett was the medalist. And he spent that year at the U.S. Open. They asked him to be a marker, Clamp. so he made the yeah he qualified for the U.S. Open at Inverness. And they asked him to be the marker. He was so he was pissed about that. He chose to tee off several times from his knees. 
and hit a couple of chip shots between his legs. At the U.S. Open as a marker. He missed the cut, but he had to fill out a twosome. I think we should do one of these on Bobby Clampett. <laughs> Smartin was texting me tonight to say that. Like ap- epic amateur golf. Crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyways, so, he was the medalist at the at this U.S. Amateur. Didn't make it out, but go ahead. Is that all Amir. you got? Oh, an amateur? Yeah. No, I got a ton. Amir crushed Cook, eight and seven. Blitzed him. Um, this was after Cook uh, said, like, whoever wins. So everybody on Cook's side was pretty legit. Like Gary Hallberg, he beat. was like a four-time first-time All-American or All-American at Wake. He goes, whoever wins my bracket will just walk through the finals. You no no respect for market nearer. Well, he wasn't like this highly rated player. He was player. an All-American. He was. He was. He's no um, He's a late so bloomer. In his early matches... In his early matches, he played only as well as he needed to, shooting five over golf while Cook was blitzing his opponents with birdies. Then in the final, you know, Amira got hot while Cook became jittery. Um, what else did he say? Uh, winning the U.S. Amateur meant the world to me because I wasn't a very good player yet. I wasn't these kids today who are so young, so skilled, so poised. I wasn't like that. I loved match play because I didn't feel the pressure that stroke play places on every shot. But then I won, and I thought, well, not. I'm, well, why not? I might be a pretty good. Fit. So, like, he really viewed the U.S. Amateur as like what, like, career-defining achievement for him. It's kind of crazy when you think, like, he was an All-American. He was like, kind of like, not sure he was that good. Well, he thought um, he didn't think he was going to go pro. Yeah, he didn't think he was necessarily good enough. He, he's just kind of like, um, you know. I told he told his wife I'd try for two or three years to see if I could earn some money and then I would get a job. So the uh you know what he also won that year? What's that? The California State Am, which up in Pebble. At Pebble Beach. Right. Which played a major uh pivotal role in his career. Came his happy hunting ground. Yeah. Just one more time, just because of these young days. He goes, I've had some peaks and valleys. Me on the tour twenty seven years has been good. But the greatest times of my life were when I played high school, college, and amateur golf and driving home in my Volkswagen Rabbit from Long Beach State and amateur events. I think he's a guy who like really just loved the amateur. Scene. I mean, he was sponsored by Toyota. He liked to keep things simple. <laughs> That's the other thing. Why don't we see that anymore? Cars are just completely out of the hat game. You remember, get a little, like, remember when Phil was Ford? Yeah. I mean, you get some BMW and Mercedes guys that are out there, but like nobody on the hat like that, you know. He won the Masters with Toyota plastered across his his bill or his his lid. He was using the uh, burner bubble. That's true. All right, I think I'm done with the amateur stuff. He shot he shot eighty one eighty when he because he was at the Masters <laughs> off his U.S. Amateur exemption. Because I don't have any idea, but I managed to par the first hole. Uh, he's playing with Fuzzy, who had won the year before. It's like I missed the cut. I leave in Augusta. My dad asked if I'm doing okay. He's like, all I know is, you know, I've played the Masters. I don't know if I ever will again. And then he won it, whatever, 20 years later. Kind of nuts. Pretty, pretty crazy. Um, all right. Let's. All right. Any, other, any other things on his younger days? Nothing. Okay. Turns go. pro in 80. Okay. Rookie of the year in 81. Yes. 
Um, first win in '84. He wins GMO. The GMO. Right? Yeah. Okay. That year, he finished second on the money list, which was the third highest ever uh, single season earnings. Which I mean, when you account for inflation, that sort of makes sense. What but a year to falling into the trap. What? You're falling into the trap of uh, he. He had five runner ups that year, but he won the GMO. Think about it: five seconds and a win. It's an insane year. Tom Watson was first. I I, I have to say that I'm sorry. I I there was one article about this year, but I couldn't get on it because I'm over my free limit for the L.A. Times. <laughs> so apologies. I'm, I, I'm running into that issue a lot here. Uh, yeah. You know what? So he won uh, his second win, Pebble. Pebble. Eighty-five. Five times. So five, I read... five times. I have a lot on his last win at Pebble. So you knock this out. I have a ton on his first win at Pebble. Just a great article by Barry McDermott, SI Vault. Can I can I just run down before we get into that? Yes. A few more fast facts. All right. Yes. Peak OWGR second. Um one, you know, good career playing along, wins his first major at forty one, won a ton in the nineties. He's the oldest player ever to win two majors in one year. He's the first Nicholas Hogan by a year, who each yeah. won at forty. He won two at forty one. He won in five one in five continents. Only this, I love this. Didn't win in Africa. That was the one place he didn't win. He was really this like worldly golfer before yeah. that became a thing. Before there was like, you know, probably appearance fees and things like that. He was everywhere. And an important, important little footnote here. First player to win a major with a three-piece three solid core golf ball. Ah, there you go. You're, you're thrilled about that. So let's, let's go to the let's first win at Pebble. Um, by the way, when you talk about OWGR being his highest, being two, he spent 200 weeks in top 10. Yeah. Not a chump. Well, yeah, but From it wasn't. It, started, it wasn't. High, but it wasn't high top tens. Okay, he was. A, he was like an eight, top. eight, nine, ten guy. Not a. Not a two, three, four. He wasn't Monty. Okay. All right. Okay. So he had. He won fourteen PGA Tour events, two majors, um, and he won five European Tour titles. I uh, so before he two won Japan the majors, tour, one Australian tour. He was everywhere. It's kind of, he won an Aussie Masters back when that was a thing. Um, Argentine Open, he won. Kind of nuts. He's big on Japan. So with that Jaime said, he's got like a B's. What was it? B's. B game. A B everything in his game or whatever. You know. So I read an article that said he became known as the king of the B's for winning a bunch of Pebble Beach pro ams and Disney classics. Yeah. So like B level events. He, oh, I didn't yeah. know he was, he was known as the king of the bees. So here's one of the Texas first Open, Hawaii Open. His first win in Pebble, 1985. This is the lead. The pro golf tour took leave of the marshmallow circuit last week and sailed up the California coast, docked at Pebble Beach, and got down to some serious golf. They played at Riviera the previous week. <laughs> Guys, just because I, you know. I guess the scores are low. Are you and, sure? Yeah, I looked it up. Okay. 1985. It was Phoenix, Riviera, and the scores were low, so he was ripping on it. Um, 
we're going to sidetrack off on Mare a little bit here. So Johnny Miller was in this one. He just gets ripped in this article. Johnny Miller's magic crutch, a super elongated putter that supported him for two rounds and then failed. I got I to gotta read. So he had a belly putter. Oh, yeah. I remember when he did this. Miller was using an O putter. If that is what you want to call a 46-inch club with two grips. These people are just mystified by it. The shaft reaches up the inside of Miller's left arm, nearly to his armpit, and he chokes down on the lower grip to keep his wrist from breaking. You know how it goes. It was like, a, I think he was arm locking more than belly putting. That may be true. Yeah, that sounds like it. Into the armpit sounds like it. He made five birdies with his new stick and afterwards said, I hope it's not a woo weak club. Do you know what that is? W O O. Like a weak club. Like one that just goes away. Yeah. That explained Miller was a club that works only one week. It's like a, w- when you put when you hit it, something on the range and it works yeah. so well and then you put it in the bag, yeah. it stinks. Yeah. That's Actually, what Adam Scott tries tries to do every week on the putting green. That's why he's always trying new shit up. Woo week club. Actually, it woo turned out to club. be more of a woo, more whoops than woo. Miller had together Friday with a 71 at Pebble, a round he called a whole bunch of mediocrity. But after nine holes Saturday, he was no longer leading and had endured a hazing of fans, as well as playing companion Jerry Pate. So they're playing Cypress. Cypress was in the in the pro-am rotation of cypress spyglass and uh pebble and uh fans and jerry pate booed him when he laid up on the par 3 16th rather than going for the green <laughs> on the 233 so he laid up on 16 and was using the belly putter his woo wheat club um unreal so it sounds That's like a they- smart play laying up on cypress 16 so it sounds like they did i might the do thing. that the next time i play it Next time you play it, huh? Cocky out there. Getting an invite? Uh, I just That's the way I'm going to play it next time. In the dream if, world. If there is okay. next time. All right. Uh, so Cypress, so they load them up where every all the best players they want at Pebble on Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. So this meant they all played Cypress Thursday. And I guess it was blowing like 30 miles an hour. They all got like just completely wiped off the face of the earth. Uh, Nicholas, uh, everybody just gets smoked. And Omira was like a no-name guy and didn't have to play Cypress with the real windy day. Um, he was probably in the trees and spyglass. So the, the Sutton, Hal Sutton was in this group. Sutton, who was the tour's leading money winner two years ago, eked out in 87. Shot 87 at Cypress. He was stunned on one hole to see the wind push his ball six inches as he was about to on the green on the 17th tee he almost whiffed shot an 87 um <laughs> he almost whiffed it was so windy think about allegedly how windy. on 17 yeah i mean it's pretty exposed out there <laughs> the, the, this mcdermott I, I tweeted this also wrote the european circuit which is because nathaniel cross nathan crosby <laughs> Which is to golf what Granada is, Grenada is to the medical profession, you know, where you kind of go down to like second hand. Another leaderboard, leaderboard player, George Archer, opened with the 69.70, figured he had a bad day Saturday at Spyglass when that morning his Maltese dog, Buck, relieved himself in Archer's eye. What? 
as the golfer was doing his exercises in his living room <laughs> floor. So that was another leader. Amira is just like all these guys got blown out to sea at Cyprus. One guy got, you know, I assume urinated in his eye by his dog. Um, Johnny's using a belly putter. Uh, there's, I, I went down a side, like a side rabbit hole about Marvin Davis, this like 350 pound billionaire who was in the pro-am. Uh, Davis was the only player in the field who was allowed to use an electric cart, presumably one with a beefed up suspension <laughs> and a built-in lunchbox. Guy, guy was like a billionaire, like wildcat or oilman, and then became like a studio head. Built-in yeah. lunchbox. This writing was just outrageous. 1985. We get in so much trouble if we said any of this. Now. I know. Um, and then. So he finished ahead of a vacationing. So Omira also eked out a win over a vacation Japanese pro who owns an indoor driving range. He's nicknamed the hat. This is Kukuo Arai. Guy owns a driving range. (laughs) Vacationing there. Nicknamed the hat because of his driving range headgear, which I forgot to look up. I need to look this up. Could be a good Instagram post. Uh, Arai on a stroke back of Omira over the last nine holes. He was in the tournament for the third time through a PGA Tour foreign exemption that he got by finishing fourth on the Japanese tour for the last four years. It was sort of a holiday gift for him. Every winter, he brings his son to the Western <laughs> U.S. for asthma therapy. Arai is a proprietor of an indoor driving range in Hano, 20 miles northwest of Tokyo. And the boys back on the mats must have been thrilled because in 14 appearances on the U.S. tour, he had made only the cut only four times. It's okay is how he replied to every question he received from the English-speaking press. These guys are just a driving range operator. So, so Amira ekes out these players, ekes out this kind of fortuitous set of circumstances for his first one at Pebble. Last bit. On 18, he's, he's holding off Curtis Strange. He hit one iron, one iron, eight iron, and then two putted from 14 feet for a par to win by one. Chaz-esque. One iron, one iron. Omira goes one iron, one iron, eight iron, two putts. That's all I got. There's so much non-Omira stuff there that I'll, I'll twaddle down on that. But All right. Oh, I... oh, last thing, last thing. This is, so this is Omira. He was slipping into golf's shadow. So 85, he's kind of... He had a good year in 84, but he was slipping into golf shadows before he flattened his swing and found Nirvana with his swing guru, Hank Haney. Yeah, he went went from being an over-the-top guy to really flat. A 29-year-old club pro from Sugarland, Texas, who dogged Omira through all four rounds at the Crosby. Because of Omira's clear blue eyes, rosy cheeks, enthusiasm for spreading the gospel according to Hank Haney, and penchant for hard work, Some cynics refer to him as Mooney. I don't know what that means. He owns two video cameras and two tape machines, and he and Haney used to analyze his swing endlessly. The two men spent their evenings with their feet up talking about golf swings. Omira says, Hank knows how each of these guys play. I believe in him. The guys on tour look at me and see the way I've improved and think maybe I should try it. So this was really like Haney, 29-year-old club pro. Becomes really Omira's guy. Flat. Wow, this what a good find there! All right, that's it. All right, so here's uh, Jaime Diaz in this '98 SI article. 
on yeah. on um Omira's pro debut. He okay. debuted um the the same yeah the the year uh after couples did. Okay. So at the same event. So yep. when Omira and by coincidence Fred Couples made their pro debut oh they actually same year they made it. They okay. So when okay. Omira and by coincidence Fred Couples made their pro de- debuts the following year in the Queen Mary Open, a regional event in Long Beach, California, no one noticed Omira. With Freddie, you could at least see something there. Remembers Doug Ives, the tournament director. With Mark, you couldn't see it at all. <laughs> he turned pro, you know, in Hogan's off Ben Hogan's office. Did you know that? I mean, what what do, you, what do you mean he turned pro and bet? Like, what does it, turning pro entail? Like, I, I'm going I, pro? I, I thought it's like the first time you take a check. I think he signed the deal with Hogan Clubs in Hogan's office. <laughs> I guess he worked with Hogan. Because he, he uh, it was kind of like Hogan like was looked at him as like a grandson sometimes and then was quite distant other times, is what he said. <laughs> He goes, I was hitting the ball pretty well. He started telling me to do certain things. So he looked at him on the on the range. And then I started shanking shots all over the place to the right. And he kept telling me, yeah, that looked a lot better <laughs> as he's shanking him. And I kept thinking, I ain't going with that. No way. <laughs> he turned pro in 1980 in Hogan's Fort Worth office, uh, pro- uh, signed on to play Hogan's clubs. Uh-huh. <laughs> at times, he treated me like a gr- grandson. At other times, he was very distant. Pretty good. All so, right. So, uh, five. You you highlighted the first win. So, five wins at Pebble Beach. He's the he was the first tour pro since Jack Nicklaus to win an event five times. Amazing. Right. Yeah. I mean, like he Let's, had to be pretty good to win Pebble five times. Yeah. Um, yeah. So That's he, since been passed a handful of times by Tiger and. I think a few others. Right? I don't know if anybody else has won an event five times than Tiger. Uh, I thought Phil? I saw a list. I thought I saw. Well, Phil has five at uh, at um, where? Pebble. Pebble. So Sneed has eight at the GGO Greensboro. Tiger's got eight at Bay Hill and Firestone. Not Firestone at uh, Memphis. <laughs> I don't know what this list is. It's all, it's all, uh, you know, Alec right. Ross at the North and South, Sam Snead at Miami. All right. So, whatever. Nicholas has six masters. So, that probably counts. All right. Let's go. So, his fifth was in 97. And this is when he's like resurgent. He, he had gone like three years without winning. Um, and he won first time back in 96. But then in 97, this is the start of the rise of Omira into like the best the peak of his career, which was when he was 39, 40 and 41 years old. And then he fell off the face of the earth beyond the um, king of the bees. Yeah. Um, so okay. his fit so he won his fifth and 97 and he held off on Sunday, tiger and 25 year old David Duvall. Wow. So tiger birdied 16 through 18 Duvall birdies, 16 and 17 and, <laughs> Omira hung on to win by one. Um, Tiger started Saturday seven shots off the lead. He shot course record 63. <laughs> um, 
So after the afterwards, Omira said, "There's somebody up above Monterey Peninsula who's a huge Mark Omira fan. I don't know if he's in the blimp or just floating around because <laughs> he won the California State Am there too. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. just crazy. He won there six times in his career. Yeah." Um, playing Pebble Beach is a lot like playing chess. There's a lot of strategy out there. Sometimes 30 feet away is better than 8 feet. Um, so this is all just kind of leading into a major championship. Uh, you know, The 98. Yeah, and like him, he's got a bunch of wins, but no majors. At this point, 14 wins, no majors. Um, sure. He says, if I don't win a professional major in my career, it'll be a real disappointment. But I'll be damned if I let that take away from the unbelievable accomplishments I've had. I wouldn't trade what I've done uh, for a professional major or two. Forget it. It's not worth it. A little bit different tone than Monty. Yeah. If you remember. Monty said it didn't matter. (laughs) It's kind of the way Westwood's been resigned to, too. When did he say it didn't matter? I I don't know. Monty, you know? I think after the Wingfoot. Yeah, that's true. Okay. All right. Should we move on? You got anything else on his pre-major days? Um, I got one more thing. Go ahead. Um, This is from Jaime Diaz, and this was 98 before the PGA at Sahali. With his low ball flight and right-to-left game, O'Meara looked overmatched in big championships, so much so that when I... When he opened the 97 season with the 13th and 14th wins of his 17-year career on tour, I wrote in this space that no one should get too excited and labeled Omira the king of the bees. Oh, well, there you go. That's the or Perfect. Fantastic. So, Jaime. I love it. Jaime leaned on that one. Yeah. So, it's, it's okay. So, like 98. player. 98 Masters. I flipped this on today. I watched a little of it. Oh, it's pretty cool. Pretty good. Unreal Masters. This was a great Masters. Great Masters. Super underrated. Um, I mean, just I'll just say at the start, he goes, I mean, he said he wasn't playing well. He didn't have much confidence. He was playing practice rounds with Tiger and everything that went with it, and I had extremely low expectations. That's what he said at the start of the week. Um. Well, you got anything you want to start with but prior to you like want, the... Ending? Well, do you want to hear maybe the most important thing that happened at that at that Masters? Yeah. So, um, Woods was... So, they were playing a practice round together. Yep, yep. And Woods was using the professional 90. Right. Omira at this point was using the Strata Tour um, ball which was the the solid core ball like we talked about with Hal. Um this is this is the precursor to really like Tiger used the tour accuracy of solid core ball the 2000 year when yep. he went nuts. Um yep. so this story this was from a golf digest piece. Um so while the two were hitting practice pitch shots around one of the greens at Augusta, uh, at Augusta Woods, who was still using the Titleist Tour professional golf ball with a wound core, asked O'Meara how he was producing so much spin on his short shots. O'Meara was initially coy about the new golf ball, opting instead to tease Woods that his short game technique needed work. I'll show <laughs> you, 
and you'll figure out, Omira said. I don't want to give it all to you right away. A few holes later, Woods did figure it out. He ended up hitting a few pitch shots with Omira's Stratator golf ball, and the magic trick was revealed. Oh, it's not you, Woods said Omira. It's the golf ball. And Omira replied, exactly right. (laughs) That's a great story. So now that the ruse was up, Omira got serious with his friend. Listen, Nike or Bridgestone will build a golf ball for you that fits everything you need to have that you have. Um, Because that ball you're playing, that tour professional is an archaic golf ball. The technology is out there to where they can build you uh, build a golf ball for you. It goes further. It pierces the wind better. It's softer around the greens. It's solid technology. It's not a wound golf ball. Those days have gone by. There you go. God, what a story. That's a great anecdote. I mean, that, that explains a lot more than just those that, you know, one day practice round, you know, the, the, yeah. the tentacles of it, certainly. I mean, yeah, this is when this is this is when golf was really changing. I love the image of Tiger. Oh, it's not you. Yeah, it's the call. <laughs> oh, curious Tiger. I love that. Great mm-hmm. story. So, so Sunday at this Masters, yeah, was pretty incredible. You had yep. couples out in front. Couples started Jack- the day. Couples started the day with two shot, uh, two shot lead over Omira. Jack least. birdied, I think, five of the first six. Four of the first seven. Four of I the think. first seven. Um, you had David Duvall that just Duvall, Duvall kind of is the. He should have won this one. And we'll, when we do Duval, we might go more into this as a near miss. But Duval was tenth in the world. Nicholas birdied four of his first seven. He was within two shots of the lead. Mickelson He's, was up there too. I mean, Jack is fifty-eight. He said he was playing on one leg after hip replacement. So, I mean, he beat Tiger. This is that famous fact, right? He beat Tiger year after Tiger set all the scoring records in ninety-seven. So yeah, Duval. Nicholson was involved. Mm-hmm. It's just a great, great leader. I think they said 14 out of the top 16 went a, won a major, had one, or went on to win a major on yeah, this Yeah, I mean, it was an incredible leaderboard. Furyk was up there. Um, you know, it was, it was stacked. How about this quote from Freddie? Um, the leader entering Sunday was Couples, a man with arthritis in his back and retirement in his heart. I'll, I'll still play golf. I think he's 30 years old. I'll still play golf, he said of his plans to hand it up within five years. It'll just be every Tuesday at 8 yeah, o'clock I at the club. Couples enjoyed two-stroke lead over Azinger, also 38. Oh, he's 38. And Mickelson. I wish I was Tiger's age, Couples said with a sigh on Saturday night. But when he's 30, I think he's going to be spent. It's more like 40, but he came back eventually. Mm-hmm. Um all right, so Amira starts two back of couples. So uh, Duvall is the one that makes the charge early, okay. right? Okay. He's yep. playing uh, a couple groups ahead, and he, you know, he barely missed an eagle on fifteen, and they barely missed birdies on seventeen and eighteen. He was yeah. three. He was three shots up yep. on on him, and then and then Omira birdied three of the last four to win. I mean, this is kind of underrated. 
this finish. Unbelievable be, finish. He, he canned he, a 20-footer to win. He was the last person to birdie the 17th and 18th at the time to win the Masters since Arnold Palmer in 1958. It's been 40 years since someone birdied 17 and 18 to win. Hot Charles changed that. Yeah. <laughs> at the time, Hot Charles. He took only 105 putts all week. 12 less than Woods did in 97. 12 less than Tiger in 97. Um when he shot the record 270 and didn't three putt once. Uh, Jack Nicholas, 58, lost by four. Uh, he, he hit 10 fewer greens. Omira hit 10 fewer greens, but had 10 fewer putts. So Omira's just putting like his ass off. And in the practice round, um, he made a birdie. Uh, I'm sorry. In, in the practice round, what did he say? Oh, he told Tiger, you and I can't continue to play practice rounds together because of how much farther he was hitting it ahead of him. You've got an eight iron to the green, and I've got a three wood. Where's the fairness in that? And Woods replied, you've got a putter. So it was just like he made a 20-footer on 18. He putted uh, from nine feet left to right downhill on 17. Uh, he had 148 into 18 and made a 20-footer. So he blitzed a seven iron from 148. His caddy suggested wow. he had a six. His caddy suggested he get a six iron. 150. 148. Caddy suggested six. He blitzed a seven. That'd and, be a uh, made pitch, pitching button. wedge today. Yeah. Handed his share of disputed best title of best player title of best player to never win a major to Colin Montgomery, who now has the unified belt, was the line in Sports Illustrated. You know that uh this was uh, it made it fourteen straight major winners were were different players so the last 14 majors uh, had all been won by different players we had a run like that recently i feel like mm-hmm. but i think it was only like eight or nine or something like that so anything else you got on masters i i had that that one uh the passage you read up at the top the blandness male pot male pattern blandness yeah, yeah. all right so that I, uh, huge win I'll just add this about his last major, last Masters, 20 years later. He said, I'm hitting it 265 while the young guys hit it 315. And just while we're on the subject of Masters, he said he doesn't want to come out and shoot 78, 79, or 80 just to be out there playing. He's not one of the legends like Tom Watson or Jack Nicholas. Quote, I'm just a guy, (laughs) Mira said. So he's always been kind of, this is as he's retiring from the Masters, 20 years after winning it. Even as an amateur, he's like, I'm not that good. He's really down to earth. So I like it. it. I mean, yeah. he, he had just for the record, he, his driving a- distance average in his prime was about 265. There you go. So 20 years later, that's what he says. He says he's hitting the 270. All right. He's probably more than that, don't you think? Probably, probably 270, right. 280. <laughs> All right. So 98 open. Um, Birkdale. Yeah. So he wins again. Higgin Botham, his caddy, enjoy uh enjoying the moment, said he he's got to get his due now. If he never uh makes another penny in golf, Mo- Marco Mira is in the history books. So yeah. in this one he wins a playoff over Brian Watts. You know what guy Royal in the Birkdale. 
Burkdale, you know what got you in the playoff? What score? 280, even par. Even par. Yeah. Even par in the playoff. The Open doesn't care. I mean, it can it just, whatever happens, happens. Maybe it's even par. Maybe it's, you know, 15 under. He had finished, he finished uh, T3rd in 91 when it was at Burkdale. Well, that's, yeah. So that was Ian Baker Finch's mm-hmm. win. I guess they were pretty tight down in Florida. And uh, Ian Baker Finch said, like, he won because he played with O'Meara because he's a good friend and put him at ease. And so when uh, when they got back to Florida, he had O'Meara over and they drank out of the, the Claret Jug together. He says, I made sure to, I enjoyed it. Oh, this is O'Meara. I made sure I enjoyed drinking out of that that moment because I thought that was the closest I would ever come to it. And then he won it seven years later at Burkdale again. Can I? Can we talk a little bit about Brian Watts? <laughs> we can. We can. Let's do it. All right. So, I guess here's a quote from uh, from from Japan Watts. tour player. Yeah, but from Oklahoma. Okay, right. Yes. lived lived in Edmond, Oklahoma. Yep. So, so he uh, he said. On Saturday night, he goes, I had dinner at a Chinese place in South Fort, and I don't think anyone recognized me. He was leading the tournament. I read that. I don't even, I don't think anyone knew I was leading the tournament. Brian Watts. So he gets in the playoff, he bogeys the, or no, no. Let uh, me, let me me talk a little bit more about Watts. Okay, go ahead. Uh, The other interloper was, uh, Watts, a 32-year-old. This is from an SI article. I, I forgot to write down who wrote it. Um, the other interloper was uh, Watts, a 32-year-old American who spends most of his year in Japanese hotel rooms, watching television and talking long distance to his wife, wife Debbie, who raised, uh, who's raising a one-year-old son in Oklahoma City. This curious and unsatisfactory arrangement owes uh, to Watts' success on the Japanese tour. He has won 11 tournaments and more than f- uh, $4 million in five-plus years. And to his equally curious and unsatisfactory attempts to make it on the PGA Tour, he finished 184th on the money list in 91, his only year on that circuit. Watts has been portrayed in the media, unfairly, according to his friends and family, as an ugly American who accumulates bags of yen while shunning Japanese food and culture. What? <laughs> Watts says he eats whatever his hosts serve him, except raw, the raw fish is just a mental block, and he even loads up the rice cooker whenever he's in Oklahoma City. How ridiculous is this? Did we hear? Did we hear anything from him again after this? No, but okay. So, but Watts has never denied that he would rather be playing in the U.S. Some suspect it was a fish out of water syndrome that caused him to snap in May at the Fuji Sankai Classic, where he drew a fifteen hundred dollar fine and a possible suspension after intentionally hitting two balls into the ocean and put. <laughs> And putting with his pitching wedge for four holes to ensure that he missed the cut. What? Brian Watts. <laughs> two balls into the ocean. <laughs> Pretty good. 
So, according to witnesses, Watts was expressing his frustration with the course's grainy greens. <laughs> Asked about the incident after he shot 68-69 to take the second round lead at Royal Perktill, Watts pol- politely slammed the lid on the cooker. I made a mistake, and that's about it. So, you know what also happened at this uh, event? Bur- Burkdale? Yeah. Yeah. So, for the second time that summer, the winner of the major had a lost ball reappear. So, they thought he lost his ball. Um, and they were looking. He was done looking. He was walking back to the tee, and a spectator stepped on it. And the caddy, like, ran back yelling, got his attention. He came back and um it happened to lee jansen that year too so lee jansen had a similar thing happen in his third uh and this was during the yeah but this was during the third round so okay in the end he got a huge break since the spectator an outside agency under the rules had picked up the ball omira was given a free drop near the point where the ball had been found when two efforts to drop it on the steep slope did not produce a legal lie, he was told he could place it in the rough. I guess it was the thickest crap, so he got to place it. From that cushy lie, O'Meara pitched onto the green and two-putted for five. Wow. What is it with Burkdale and crazy drops? And, yeah. You know, it's with speeds from the driving range, 2017. Exactly. How about that? How about that? So, All right. Go ahead. That's all I got on 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 Burkdale. Okay, so I mean, so Watts was the playoff, but Tiger made a huge charge. He shot a seventy-seven, I think. Even Par was, you know, guy in the playoffs. Shot a seventy-seven, then he shot sixty-six in the final round to lose by one. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that. I forgot. And he was playing that. with oh, he was playing with O'Meara's putter. Did you know that? Yeah, his back. He was playing with the, a putter he borrowed from Amira two weeks earlier. He used it to shoot 62 in his last round in the United States before he and Amira embarked on a week of golf and fishing in Ireland where he informed Amira he'd be using it in the British Open. He goes, that's my backup putter. I finished first. He finished one shot off, and that's why it's the backup. That's pretty um, good. Pretty good. Pretty good line. Uh, Woods, he, he made... Like he buried three of his last four holes and like the most like a chip in, made a thirty footer. Uh just kind of crazy to push him to the end. Then he flew home. Woods and or Omira and his entire family flew home on Tiger's private jet. This is when they were super tight. So let's let's get into the Tiger stuff real quick. There, so that's how he's become was, this was Speeth JT before Speeth and JT. Sorta. I mean, they lived in Isleworth, right? Omira's like pushing forty. Tiger's in his early 20s, and this just becomes like part of O'Meara's identity. And that's why, I mean, everything you read, it comes up. And like, I guess Alicia O'Meara, his, his wife, was like a, a, mom, like a mom figure to Tiger down in Florida. It was just, it's just interesting how, like, I don't know, we don't need to go into it too much, but like, O'Meara credited that significantly with like 98. Like, mm-hmm. like playing practice rounds with Tiger, like you have to bust your ass. We're playing for side or playing money games. It's like it made me much more focused and a much better player. And like they talk about in 97, I guess Woods went crazy in the Augusta Clubhouse when he made the 20 footer, like went nuts and was so excited. It's just an odd pairing, you know? Yeah, totally. 
Um, so here's, here's Omira. He's definitely been an inspiration. He's helped me. I'm a fan besides a golfer and I love what I've seen by his accomplishments. People, people a lot of time will say, gosh, doesn't it drive you nuts that people always ask you about Tiger Woods? This is when Omira was joining the champions tour. So like 2007 or eight, I say, well, you know, not really. I think anytime you're able to be around somebody like that and, uh, and for Tiger to act and conduct himself as well as he has under the expectations and the pressure he lives under. It's been a lot of fond, fond memories for me. And he's been there for me. If I needed help or I needed somebody to kind of be there, I picked up the phone. Uh, I know he would be there for me. Besides the fact he's a killer and a competitor and likes to win, he's got a heart too, so it's good. Lead didn't last very long. They kind of had a falling out. I mean, they allegedly, uh, reportedly they sit next to each other still, and the champions dinner. So there's like still some relationship there, but tiger, I know no showed his world golf hall of fame induction, which I guess Bamberger wrote about in his tiger book coming out in a couple of weeks, like really crushed Omira when he no showed the world golf hall of fame thing. Um, this is from, this is from a Rainer article about the tiger woods book. Woods no showed Omira's Oh uh, 2015 hall of fame induction. And, Tiger's idea of friendship was situational and instantly revocable. He was getting, Omira gets emotional about it. The disappointment in his voice and that quote, sooner or later, you have to be a human being, is what he told Armin Katayan. Sooner or later, you have to be a human being. That's a quote Omira said about Tiger. Um, in 90, it's just, I don't know. He was there. He obviously saw Tiger making a lot of like, you know, jokes about his sexual conquest there's an article there's a line about that in the Wright thompson piece on tiger it's just interesting how that's evolved they sit next to each other at the champions dinner but other than that like i think the no show the hall of fame thing really stung omira that was the that was the nail in the coffin you got any other things on well, tiger we, but, but that's really all he became identified by yeah that's tiger just the, way, the way it was you know um oh. you got you got the we talked about it the barking incident with yarmo a couple of weeks right. ago. So there's two really fun things about Yarm about Omira. What I don't want to reduplicate what we did on the Flashback Friday. Let's just give what it you, a, a, give it the clip notes. All right, listen to the Flashback Friday. So he won the '97 Lancome Trophy on the European Tour. He beat Yarmo by a shot, but Yarmo was like pressed and said, "You know, video evidence." This was after Yarmo had his own rules infraction that Westwood popped him on. Now his rules. Drama, not infraction. So, yeah, he allegedly, you know, Omira, there was maybe video of him mismarking his ball in the final round, which would have made Yarmo the winner. Yarmo, this event's in September. Yarmo sends him then videotape and a handwritten letter in March of the following year, demanding he return the winner's check and the win and the trophy. This is like, you know, five months later. This is... Go to the Yarmo flashback for all the insanity on Yarmo. This is kind of like the you know derivation of the market Nira, market Marco Mira's market Nira nickname. It Omira kind of comes around. He's like, dude, I'm not sending the money or the trophy back. This was five months ago. And then the April at the Masters, I think he says like, I maybe could have mismarked my ball. Yeah, he right. Yarmo just blows him up though with that tape, a mailed tape from across the pond to Florida, and a letter demanding he return. The second bit of like kind of 
odd Marco Mira dramas when he was on Jim Rome. This is like if you were into Rome when you're like high school, just like goofy radio. He couldn't remember his name. So let me just play it. This is like a clip they always play in Rome, I think, even still. Mark O'Meara calling me Mike is embarrassed for this guy. Hey, Mark, I really appreciate you taking time. Nice to have you on the show today. Thanks. It's Travis, right? No, I'm Jim. I'm sorry, Jim. That was Travis. That was Travis. Right. No matter what you do, golf is witchcraft, and you never know what's going to happen. There's no question, Mike. I think <laughs> golf is, is a game that's very fickle. Oh, so good. Twice in the same interview. He called him Travis and Mike. And Rome, <laughs> Rome like never let him live this down. Just plays the clip like for the next 20 years. Hey Travis, how are you? No question about it, Mike. My friends and I still kind of make jokes about that. <laughs> Mark it Mark it nearer. All right. Uh anything else? Nothing else for me. Well, lasting <laughs> legacy. Let's he's talk really, about it. He's a really good dude. All I have to say is he got divorced and it like wrecked him as a Champions Tour player. He talks about that. He goes, I offered to quit playing golf, take her anywhere on a trip around the world for a year. This is a woman he talked about not maybe, you know, maybe I won't go pro. He was married to her for 29 years. He goes, he was crushed. He, he talks about this. I'm not getting into personal life as an article. I did a tremendous amount of crying. The last 15 months when he was getting divorced had more impact on anything that has ever happened to me more than winning the Masters in the British Open. But he met his new wife uh, through a mutual friend in Houston. They talked on the telephone for three weeks before he flew in for the first date. And after they met, he got hit in the head with a golf ball, split open. What? In the forehead at Houston Country Club. She called her ex-husband, an orthopedic surgeon, to get him to to uh, get Marco Mira into a, an emergency room, it's just this like crazy story. Either way, I just want to say Omira sounds like a, it kind of like wrecked his Champions Tour like trajectory. I mean, uh, then he talks about how he would be over a shot, and, and like he'd back off and talk to his caddy. Do you think I did the right thing all the time? It's just nuts, and he's like, I mean. Talks about the rejection of getting divorced, but he's happily married, found a second wife. So a little different than the Hal Sutton sort of playboy image, I would say. Just reading this article, it was, it was a Jeff Root article. Anyways, let's talk about the lasting legacy. Okay. Marco Mira. Is he, is he in our Hall of Fame? Yes. He won the U.S. Amateur and two major championships. He won 16 times on the PGA Tour. He has to be in. He's in the actual Golf Hall of Fame. He has I don't to care be. if he's in the actual Golf Hall of Fame. I know you don't. I know you don't. That was just a side note I was presenting. I don't know if he's in mine. He won the U.S. Amateur. You just talked about how he beat the Masters, 14 of which uh, leaderboard with 14 out of 16 players who were major champions. He beat Brian Watts, Jap- Japan Tour legend, to win the Open. <laughs> You know, now you're now you're playing my court. <laughs> you're talking. I mean, I don't. What do you want? It's not I, like he, he's way. I don't know if I'm want? putting him on in, in it. Who had a better I, career, him or Monty? Who's a better g- golfer? I don't know. Who had a better career is Mark O'Meara. No, I clearly. don't think he did. Monty won the European Order Tour of uh, Order of Merit eight years oh. in a row. Well, as we heard, that's like going to Granada, Grenada for medical school. 
Well, that was a 1985 article. So maybe it got stronger by the 90s, of course. Um, you're really... I mean, you want, so not, so here, I, th- I was thinking about this when I was running today. If Monty... One all over the world. If Monty, five countries, if, five if, continents. If, if three of them... If, all, if three of the four majors weren't played in America, Monty would have won a major. That's a true story. Okay. But the real world he is He had that rabbit real... ears. He, he had to go over and deal with fans every single time. I, Monty's, Monty's better than Marco Mira. Okay, fine. But Monty's my floor. This is a this is a Hall of Fame where only excellence gets in. He won the U.S. Amateur, beat John Cook nine and eight or eight and seven, wins the Masters over Duvall and Fred Couples, and wins the Open the same year. And also won in like every continent in the world. You just said he won sixteen times. It's not like a nothing. It's not like Ricky territory. I was thinking that Ricky might become like Marco Mira 2.0. Well, that's that was my next question. We're talking legacy. Who is this even possible now? You win your first major at 41, and you win two in the same two after you know I think 41 you, or older. He didn't do anything after he won the majors either. That's another aspect again. about it. he did nothing. He didn't win again. Did he need to? He was 41. I don't. He's not in my Hall of Fame. That's he crazy. was playing a solid core of golf ball too. He was he was cheating. <laughs> That's such bullshit. Who who would do this nowadays? Who could who? I mean, Westy. No, Westy can't win two majors. What are you talking? I know, about? but no, when they're first in their forties. I mean, yeah, Westy could win a major. I just feels like nowadays you just Kuchar, go. Kuchar could win. Is he in his forties? He's almost there. Uh, did you see that, that Kuchar was the? They're big yes. two big stories in in the uh, Masters and the Open. Kucher and Justin Rose as amateurs. Yeah, I was gonna say you could, you could tell what they thought of uh, Marco Mira as their champion when like a lot of the writing was around the amateurs. Um, not in the hall. Kucher's one. West not in one. not in my hall. Okay, he's okay. in yours. You you probably let anybody in. Uh, no, I I. Was Hal is but, Hal in your hall? Uh, no, no. I think Hal had a better career than Marco Mira. Man, he won a PGA. You're putting one PGA up against a Masters, a U.S. Amateur, and a British Open. Hal was just a better golfer. Okay, that's like fine, this is my thing. Career, better career. I was trying to think of who he'd be. Marco Mira is kind of like Mitch Richmond. I mean, except if Mitch Richmond had like two rings and a gold medal, like I, I understand the the subjective talent eye test you're you're applying here. But I mean, he he didn't he he birdied three of the last four, birdied the last two holes at the Masters. To beat a stacked leaderboard. He's the only one using a solid core golf ball. (laughs) Only one? Can you say that with confidence? He said it. He said it in that thing, the conversation with Tiger. Everybody else was using archaic golf balls. He went over and won a British Open 
in a windy conditions using a ball that pierces through the wind better than everybody else's. Okay. Beat Tiger by a shot there. Beat yeah, who's, who was still... You know what ball Tiger was still <laughs> using then? Your biases about the ball are just getting out of control with every discussion now. It's fine. I This is, you know... You're not going to let him in. We're, well, he's a questionable. We haven't gotten okay. to the end. When we get to the end of this, we'll have our... But in my mind, I don't... You know, like if, I, if I'm if i playing... If I have a match and, and you know, Monty's playing Marco Mira yeah, over no, the I course of their career, Monty's going to win Bob. like almost every... Like he would win every single year almost. I'm with you. I, I'm with you. I, I, I understand that. Yeah. I mean, like, Omira, by his own admission, says he's not very good 10 times over, it seems like. I don't know. I don't know. I'm Maybe. with you. I'm with you on that hypothetical. I just think, like, there's the objective, what's on paper and what's been done. It's hard to keep him out and put Monty in. I just don't. I don't. He had two. He had one year. He, nothing else in his resume is Hall of Fame worthy outside of six months or three months he got he played well for three months five wins at pebble five wins at pebble he didn't win anywhere else he had to play cypress that week he had to play spyglass he had to play other courses i'm just saying that if you if you t- you know you won five times at one course he was the horse for the course and what else a couple times at disney i feel like on there but but he well, you, now you're now you're down in Australian Masters, five European tour wins, two on Japan tour. Like he went and won different places. No, maybe. maybe he's got a he's got a senior players. <laughs> he, whatever. <laughs> senior major. You know his first win was over Tom Watson. No, be, I didn't be, know that. Beat Tom Watson at the GMO. You know he won two thousand four. Dubai Desert Classic. Like that's a that's a legit European tour event. 2004. That's the only then, thing he did after he won the won the open. He won the dump in a box last year somehow. It's like told, hadn't won the Champions Tour in 9 years. He wins the dump in a box classic last year. All right, so, I'm done talking all right. about Omira. Enough Marco Omira. Travis, Mike, Marco Omira. All right. All right. Enjoy what? your uh, Mondays Who or whatever day it is. Wednesday, uh, we got a good one cooking. I think for Wednesday, we got Smartens coming on. Potentially, never know. It's planned. We'll see. Smarten. All right. Talk to you guys Wednesday.